Hey ho, how goes everybody? Welcome back to Frivolous Gravitas. For you, my dear listeners, my dearest brothers and sisters of the internet, we gather here today with his eminence Jordan Roy and myself, the pseudo-affable Christopher Driver, to discuss the subject of beauty. We are often sympathetic to the ideas of beauty and nature and life, from music and paintings and sculptures to mathematical expressions uh, to sport, yada yada. So, in all those things, we find beauty in such a uh, variety of places. So today we're going to try to dissect its meanings and applications. Uh, we're going to try to identify its points of depths and shallows and try to figure out why and where beauty is being disregarded or degraded in modern times. So with that, I'll let Jordan take it away and uh, see where we want to go from here. Yeah. So that's a very beautiful intro. Um, oh, thank you. Father Driver. I have wonderful um, cuffs. <laughs> so it's this is a um topic that's actually gaining a bit of um that's get actually gaining a bit of traction in uh the uh, i don't know talkosphere the idea river that's passing through all our brains um <clears throat> and it's something i've been um interested in as long as i've um as long as i've been studying stuff but it's always something that I've noticed that I've been drawn to. Now, this isn't like, oh, Jordan's drawn to things that are beautiful. No, this is something that we're all drawn to. So it's something, beauty is something that is very, very important into all of our lives. And it's definitely evident that in the last um, hundred or so years, and um, to a greater extent in the last, I don't know, 40 or so years, we've just been rejecting beauty as a thing that is um necessary in our lives i think there's the thing to this is that beauty exists on its own and this is a lie essentially because beauty doesn't exist separate from anything beauty exists as a property of something and it's not something that we understand very well or even um can uh just point out like oh that's beauty which we can do but then you ask yourself well, why is it beauty because it is beautiful and this can go for a lot of things, but for the most part, beauty is something, isn't something that is just inherent to an object. It's something that the object has as a property to it. Um, because not every object has beauty and it doesn't have beauty in every context. So when we get back to this lie that beauty is separate from quality that we find in nature from us and we can just apply it to things or that it's uh, created culturally um, which I guess would be the second lie of beauty that it is something that we can apply to it whereas something it is definitely something more that happens to us in spite of ourselves rather than something that we can just find when we redefine something. And this is definitely, so that first lie was that um, beauty is something separate from us. And the second is that we, it's a cultural construction essentially. And these happen at different times. The first one happens about a hundred years ago when they just start to reject uh, beauty as a um, the focus of art. You've got people like uh, Marcel Duchamp, who, you know, they, 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 he was told to make an art project. So he just wrote like, uh, our mutt, 
1917 on a lavatory and handed it in and they're like what is this and it's, it has no beauty the act itself is beautiful in a way because it's just this act of you know um uh, i don't know rebellion but uh or just general like what was he trying to articulate with that though do you think well, I think he's, um, and this is, uh, maybe you could describe the piece a little better for, yeah. So it's, it's Fountain 1917 by Marcel Duchamp. It's literally just a urinal, uh, with uh, a name on it written in 1917. So he literally just took a urinal, put it on a pedestal and called it art. So, um, he put this, the pisser on the pedestal. <laughs> yeah. So, um, this was a, this is the idea of anti art and it was a rebellion against, um, rebellion against the art world which had been focused um almost and this was this was almost like a rightful rebellion because you know everyone's very focused on you know the representational art the symbolic art the impression of impressionist art these arts that are trying to portray the beauty of a situation or the beauty of an emotion or the beauty of a um, idea in art form and he's this comes at the same time that you start getting atonal music uh, about 10 years after, um, as well as, um, you know, the weird experimental uh, music that really rejects the idea of beauty in favor of um, like clinical uh, mechanical purity and uh, mechanical um, experimentation, which yeah, has its own place, but it doesn't really have that like atonal music was intentionally um, not beautiful. It was meant to make you feel uneasy in, in your seat and just be like, ah, I don't like this, but it's like, yes, but this is art. Okay. So we get this slow rejection of beauty, but the problem is, is that people don't respond well to beauty, beauty, our reaction to beauty happens in spite of ourselves. Um, we don't have really a choice on this when we encounter something that's beauty, beautiful. Um, what happens is um, we react in a, I would say it's like a pleasurable way. Like we, we, we get that, we get that wonder and pleasure. It's like, whoa. So when you turn the corner and all of a sudden there's a, there's a, you know, gorgeous garden there and you're just like, oh, that's, that's actually really nice. Now the cynical in us would be like, yeah, but it's all going to die. It's like, okay, calm down. But like, it's happening to us in spite of ourselves that that nuministic feeling which we talked about a couple episodes ago that that that, that encounter with forces we can't comprehend or design we encounter this nuministic force beauty and we say that's beautiful so <clears throat> this is where uh it leads me into um one of the <clears throat> sorry I, I talk too much as you can tell um as you can tell by our the amount of content we have on this channel <laughs> <laughs> so um so maybe you can describe a little bit um why you think it is that beauty is so hard to articulate because obviously like it's not just you struggling here this is like everybody trying to describe things like life or um, enjoyment or betterment or fulfillment, like these types of concepts are really hard for us to put into words and communicate. Yeah. Uh, especially with something like beauty where like a gun can be beautiful, a child can be beautiful, 
Uh, a sexual experience can be beautiful. If done right. A religious experience could be b- beautiful. Like music yeah. can be beautiful. Like there's so many things that we ascribe beauty to. Why is it so hard to articulate if everything has some type of beauty potential? So um, let's keep this quote in mind and then we'll go on to a definition to answer your point. I am answering your question because it's, it's a, it's a good point. Oh, excuse me. I'm just, um, the first is that, um, beauty and truth are the same thing. There are two sides of the same coin when you're looking at beauty and this is important. So you go back to, um, Keats, and his poem, Ode to a Grecian Urn, where at the end of his poem, he says, beauty is truth, truth, beauty. That is all ye know on earth and all ye need to know. So at the end of this poem, he's describing a whole bunch of stuff, stars, the spring, wild ecstasy, um, sylvan historians and dales of Arcady. And so you, He's describing all this, but in the end, he just comes to the conclusion that beauty is truth and truth is beauty. Now, this is a very, it's like, it sounds like it's like, whoa, it's deep, you know, beauty and truth are the same thing, but then you're just leaving it at that, not explaining why. So that's like, you need to actually dive into this and not just go lol deep because it is deep, but there is a lot here in these two lines and even in just this one line, because ye know on earth and all ye need to know. So he's essentially saying that there's a there's something important here with this poem. There is something very important here in reality that you need to look at, and that is beauty is truth and truth beauty. So see so, you how know, somebody might misinterpret that though, right? Like if they find a person beautiful and they fall in lust with them, they might confuse it with love. So I think yeah. that that's part of the complication to the the poetry, the sort of double meaning in the sense that it's true in a poem about things that are, you know, often deceiving us in regular everyday life. Right. So <clears throat> one of the, one of the, so to, to unpack this, I think is one of the, um, it's a quote that I came across from, uh, I think it was James. Yeah, it was James Lindsay a couple of weeks ago was talking about um, beauty in, sp- in particular, which is why I say a lot of people are talking about this now because everyone's starting to look at beauty as a thing that is necessary to our lives, which it is. Um, with, why do you think when we present totalitarian regimes, we present them with gray, you know, smoggy smokestacks and, you know, cut and paste uh, tenements lining a highway. It's, it's just like, there's no beauty in these things. So we, 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 when we think of something idyllic, you know, where do you want to live? I want to live somewhere that has some beauty to it. I don't want to live in this tenement. So when, when he's saying that he, he was saying in this, in a podcast and I, and I, and I absolutely loved it. He, he said essentially that um, beauty is that which excels at what it intends to be. And he didn't come up with this out of the blue. Um, but before I move on, let's let's look at that. So beauty 
excels at what it intends to be. So if you are a, um, that object of lust that the young man is looking at, he's looking at a woman, an object of sexual desire. Um, but why is he not looking at, say, the woman next to her or, you know, her friend or, you know, why isn't he going on the internet looking at someone else? Well, the girl on the internet is a representation. Maybe the girl behind the counter is not enjoying her today and she's not in, she's not fully herself. She's not being her true self at that moment and she's just getting to the end of the day. The other girl is exhilarant in what she is doing. She made herself up. She is the most woman she could be at that moment. And she is the most truly who she is at that moment. And therefore, she is excelling at being what she is intending to be. This brings us, this, this is a good example of what is meant by beauty is truth and truth beauty, because you can't something that is not in accordance i guess we have to get into truth now i'm defining truth here as something that is in line with the reality of nature and this kind of goes along with that um well we've talked about this before in our buddhist lectures also i think we talked about it a bit in trust where you have your dharma or you have your following your Tao, or you are um now the, the Christians literally just call this truth. Um, you know, the truth of God, which is well, what is God? Well, God is this guy in the sky. No, it's too small. Well, God is this guy who created the universe. No, 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 too small. Well, God is the universe. Mm, too small. <laughs> and so God, if God is some aspect of the universe, then you should be going in accordance with it. And this is kind of the same thing. Now I'm not pulling this out of my butt. This is um uh, C.S. Lewis in his uh, series of papers, um, I think in his paper, Mere Christianity, um, details, and he goes into, he, he's deeply spiritual guy, because uh, he, he's not just talking about Christianity, he's saying there's elements of what Christian Christianity is trying to be in these other religion. And he goes deeply into this notion of the Tao, and he says it's the same thing that Christianity is trying to do. Um, so this 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 following of the way the way being the truth of how the world works. So if you try to, um, if you try to not, if you're trying to live your life in a way that nature doesn't, that, that, that isn't in accord with the literal mechanics of nature, you're going to have a bad time. And so anything that does follow this ends up somehow being beautiful which is why nature ends up being beautiful, which is why the woman who has successfully engaged herself in being, you know, an object of sexual uh, desire is beautiful because she is what she is intending to be. Now, this doesn't come out of nowhere. James Lindsay didn't pull this out of nowhere. Um, people have been thinking about this. This isn't a new idea. This is these ideas are very old because things have always been beautiful. We have always been struck by the beauty of things. And um, this, we're going to go back to Greece now, as we always seem to do, because those guys sat down and did their homework. And 
the notion of um, arete is one that the Greeks came up with specifically. Um, uh, it shows up in Homer. Uh, it um, Plato and Aristotle talk about it. And um, what it essentially means in Greek is excellence um, of any kind. So this also could be, you know, if you're if you're looking, if you're watching this from another cultural uh, viewpoint, this could be similar to the idea of kung fu, in which you know you practice excellence through repetition. So, and kung fu ends up being very beautiful, which is why we make kung fu movies and we watch kung fu movies <laughs> because kung fu, the martial aspect of it, ends up being beautiful when done right. Um, even if it's like a comedy movie, I don't know kung fu hustle or something and it's just the way they move is still <laughs> yeah, the choreography is like a dance almost it is and or you get something like capoeira which ends up you know this martial dance which ends up still being very uh fun to watch um and but even a dancer has to practice has to attain excellence before we look upon their offerings as um something that is beautiful because you know you can just go in on the dance floor and move and there's there's value in that you 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 moving with the flow the Tao of the room and so you find your own beauty in the movement of that but from the outside someone's gonna be like oh they're just flailing around there's no there's only a limited amount of beauty but when you're when your movements are so in tune with you know the music the group, like in a waltz, where everyone, when everyone in their pairs, when you, so you're, 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 you're in accordance with the person in front of you, you're enacting the true flow or whatever of the dance, and then all the other group with the other person in your pair, and then like solar systems, everyone's kind of roaming around each other. Uh, in the waltz and they're all kind of going around and they're not hitting each other and then the music is being played beautifully and then all of a sudden all this coming together and everyone has been you know you have this 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 confluence of excellence coming together and you're looking at this waltz and the people dancing to it and you're like this is beautiful there is beauty here so this idea of Can um, I, our, sorry do yeah. you mind if i chip at that for a second uh, yeah one, one of the things that, that kind mm -hmm. of gets complicated in my mind when we discuss things like aesthetics and beauty is when you refer it to truth or excellence, it sort of negates half of all the beauty in the world, if not more, in my opinion, because that oh. sort of brushes aside the beauty of people playing music poorly, but having um, a communion, like being with all your best friends in, in a room and just jamming. It might sound like crap, but like the situation and um, the experience of having that type of camaraderie is beautiful in and of itself. Yeah, and that's or like kind kids of, playing, right? But that's not you excelling at playing music. That's you guys excelling and at being in tune with each other and being, you know, friendship and um, you, you get together and you're all jamming in your garage or something. And it sounds just like any other garage band, but then you're enjoying it and you're all being like, yeah, this is great. The beauty isn't in the music. The music is facilitating the beauty of 
the friendship and the action. You guys are truly, uh, this is going to sound hokey, but you guys are truly friends that the friendship you are trying to, you know, enact and, um, uh, express, express. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Is, is what it is. It's, there's no lies to it. You, you guys aren't, there's no place when that beauty is happening for, um, someone being like, Oh, we could be better because you're just doing it. It's just happening. And it, so the truth you, isn't in the thing that it, it is. It's in the environment or in the, the meta thing that it is. Right. Right. And when more than one thing comes together at a time, um, you know, you're in a, you're in a room that is gilded and it's, there's so much artistry in the room and it is the most excellent room you've ever seen. Uh, I don't know, Versailles or something. And, um, then everyone gets in and starts to dance and there's, you know, a, an orchestra and you have multiple layers of excellence, the excellence of music, the excellence of the dancers, the excellence of the artistic, uh, aesthetic of the place. Um, these are all coming together and that's when you get like an experience. Um, I felt this at my wedding actually. Um, it's everything came together, family. Um, heck, even the DJ was great. <laughs> I didn't even give him that many but like everything came together and it was a beautiful day and because we were all there honestly to do something in honesty that allowed the i don't know it wasn't the most extravagant thing but it still was excellent in its own way so So, what about transposing that to something like a song that's perfectly played that you don't enjoy like what's the beauty in a perfectly played bad song (laughs) I think that would be the beauty of Kung Fu. This this person who spent their time, um, the beauty of that person's approach to the music. Cause you like, see what I'm getting at? It's not immediately yeah. recognizable just by default, no. right? No. And I, and I think, and I don't even think I've explained this idea of beauty of truth as well, because I'm, I'm connecting it to the idea that you are, you are placing yourself because it, it's in tune with, you're placing yourself in tune with nature. And that is a odd concept because we assume that um, in in our society, essentially we assume that we can create something. uh, I'm going to find something new or something this, but that this assumption of beauty is truth. And my definition of what is meant here by truth presupposes that there are things that are inherently ugly in the world, especially to humans. Um, now we do see the world as humans. So a tar pit will definitely not be something, um, that we will want to engage with because it, you know, it doesn't, it has an ugly smell. It has an ugly aspect. Uh, there, there is very little about it that I would find beautiful. Um, or a, um, but at the same time, and like, I don't find discordant music beautiful, um, intentionally. Like I don't listen to, I don't know. That screaming metal or. Oh, yeah. But like metal in itself, like there is good metal out there. Yeah, um, But some of it's and, a lot of a melodic. <laughs> yeah. And they don't follow like. like and it's just a lot distortion. Of, so you can't hear the, the notes on the guitar or any of the harmonies. There are none sometimes. Yeah. And good metal with metal, good metal is like good metal bands 
are masters of the flow of their own, like it's, it's power. They're, 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 they're playing with powerful music. And so, but you can't just have like punch somebody in the ears with their music. You have to, it has to have a flow to it. It has to have, you know, lulls and go. So you're playing with, you're almost conducting that feeling with metal, which is why good metal is good because you're just like, you're just sitting there and you're just going like, yeah, this is great. I'm hyped up. And then you're just like, it gives you a moment to breathe. It gives you a moment to breathe. It gives you a moment to breathe. And then it just was like, <gasps> explodes into your brain. And you're like, yeah. And you feel like you're going super saiyan or something. And then the song ends and you're just like, that was awesome. <laughs> That's the experience that they're trying to portray. But bad metal will just be like, all right, let's just punch him in the face repeatedly with this music. It's like, oh, Jesus, no subtlety to it. And so, you know. But that's, that's entirely subjective and not a truth though, isn't it? Yeah. Now I'm kind of making an argument against pure subjectivism here because, okay, well, now when we were kids, I remember, well, specifically me, when I was a kid, I would gravitate towards things that could give me um, certain feelings like music, you know, I'd be like, okay, this is good. I like it. It's just hypes, it pumps me up. But then I wouldn't really, I, I'd be looking for the pump up. I wouldn't be looking for the thing that made the pump up work. So <laughs> you'd be looking for something that would give you that, like the, 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 the end and not, but you know, the, no the reasons. Play. Yeah. There's no foreplay. Um, and yes, that is, um, exactly the perfect example because you want the release you do not want the um you do not want the thing that makes the, the to put the work in because you're immature and you don't understand that the thing is only good because you did all that prep work to make it that good <laughs> and you find this out through experimentation and practice and then you get good at playing your instrument or finding stuff or see i find it in music really. in so many different places like for me the rhythm of a drum is insanely beautiful just by its timing so like the timing function of hitting snares and toms and cymbals mm -hmm. to me is just really beautiful even though it's basically the same tone and short snaps over and over and over again and then right. you re I relate that to other music I listen to, which will be um, like string symphonies. I, I absolutely love big, rich, hearty string symphonies. Yeah. And, and to that, it's like the tremolos and it's the pacing, but it's not the same type of timing function as a drum, even though it, ha it has drums in the percussion section. So like... Right. It, it's weird to me how like the beauty aspect of music morphs around the type of music you're trying to um, trying to orchestrate. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's what's unique to beauty is that it can relate to so many different things, but only in certain ways does it relate to certain things. Right. And like it's it's strange how when you listen to something like um I don't know, Tchaikovsky, you look at his 1812 overture and you know, this is a battle. <laughs> like there's no, like, you don't even have to be told, you know, that there are, there is a life and death struggle happening in this music. Uh, and then you look at the, the background of it and you're like, that's exactly what this is. And you know, the cannons fire and you're just like, whoa, it blows you over. Oh, but then you go to something like, but like even uh, choir hymns. 
Like you've got yes. a whole group of imperfect singers, but when they're all together, they sound like absolutely astonishingly beautiful. Yes. Um, I think that's a good example of where you can sort of amalgamate a whole bunch of imperfections and create something that's on the whole greater than the sum of its parts, mm -hmm. sort of a synergy for beauty. Yeah. And it's not, and the, the choir is, um, the choir is a good example of this because we found out for some, we, like we just found out somehow forever ago that if we put a bunch of people together, um, then you get something that sounds really, really good. And so people, well, people have always sung because music is part of um, who we are. Like we, it's also how we pass down traditions and knowledge and information before we had books and the internet, we had only music to remember things and yeah. pass them down well, to other generations. Well, that's why like hip hop, works so well and because it's essentially poetry and that's why poetry is so deep because hip-hop works well <laughs> good hip-hop you know there's a lot of bad hip-hop um the ratio to good and bad it's is not very... a rhyme to repeat the same word over and over again just making a point <laughs> yeah but the original like songs um came from poetry um because words have their own um words are lyrical in themselves which is why poetry works because it's 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 you're using, it's, 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 I'm using this terrible repetition and alliteration here, <laughs> but, um, bef we were almost programmed to see this in a certain way, uh, because we used to transmit information via rhyme and meter because for some reason, uh, the brain is wired to remember stuff in a lyrical format. Um, it's like that's the file format that our brain saves stuff in and so um what's evolution mostly i think it is oh it is but like you a lot of the ancient holy books like you know homer you get a lot of the vedas they're all done in verse well why because we can remember um we we, we strangely can remember things that are um very, very well and very, very accurately through um, rhyme. And it's, you know, it's, it's like, oh, it's like when I tell myself, you know, it's like, uh, I remember it by rhyming, making a rhyme for my notes. It's like, no, it's way more powerful than that. Um, because in like, everyone says that, oh, the Native Americans, they did this. It's like, of course they did. We all did this. Um, it, before we had, you know, uh, external memory of, you know, writing, that's how we remembered stuff. And it was the best tool we had for thousands and thousands of years because it worked. And these oral traditions could be transcribed and they're now more accurate because they're on paper, but it's still the essence of these stories didn't, didn't change because we were able to use that lyrical quality that almost like practical beauty in order to keep them going because people like beauty they're drawn to it so when something's beautiful they'll want to see it they want to remember it, they want to capture it and so we we beauty is almost an evolutionary tool but it's still beauty you know when we objectively it's when you look at it objectively it doesn't really lose much of its luster but um it's still uh and just because I'm explaining it doesn't 
I guess I, I hate how there's this assumption in society where when you explain something scientifically or objectively, it's like it loses its magic. No, no, the magic is still there. The subjective magic isn't going to go away just because I understand the objective um, necessity to it or because I'm exploring the objectivity of it. That's now, sort of how I feel about the sciences and maths and stuff. Because, I mean, like with music especially, a lot of a lot of what we uh what we hear as harmonious melodic or beautiful comes down to just scales and fractions and ratios between two yeah. notes and semitones and and with pacing it's usually you cut them in half or down to thirds like there's certain mm -hmm. ratios that really resonate with our with our minds that we describe as beautiful but like is is beauty really natural like is is it is it a requirement that we understand and appreciate beauty in nature for us to have uh, evolved to become more social or empath empathetic creatures or like is beauty required to understand love is music a necessary component to our humanity or is it just sort of like a bonus like an abstract I don't think from it's, evolution I don't think it's necessary to understand it but I think beauty is a uh, more of a um, and this is almost, yeah, I think it's more of a, um, quality of the stimulus, kind of like pain. Pain is a, pain is a signal in your body that something's wrong. Pleasure is usually a sign that something's right, you know, but pleasure is poorly calibrated in our society because, you know, yeah, it's an imperfect system, but yeah, it's an imperfect system, but beauty is usually a sign that something is good um something is right now you see something like a flower now flowers are those well, like flowers look different to bugs it's like yeah but bugs respond to things that have color with them they evolved color in a flower because they attracted um things that you know had rudimentary eyes that could see certain parts of the spectrum so if you want to attract a certain bug you'll you know the the ones that'll make it will be the flowers that um that particular bug or bee or whatever can see the wave it'll reflect light in the wavelength that that bug can see in so all of a sudden we get these like elaborately colorful um flowers because um the bugs and the bees go towards things that they're attracted to beauty um this is natural beauty this is the evolutionary uh aspect of it now we do the same thing if there's a now if you have a desert on your left left and a and a lush forest on your right you know a green forest on your right which one are you likely to go explore first? Probably the green forest. Yeah, because there's gonna your your brain says, "Oh, it's beautiful," but then your mind will say, "Why is it beautiful?" Well, it's probably got more food. I can sharpen a stick on a rock, and you know, go shelter. There's if there's yeah, there's shelter. Um, you know, there's all this stuff. I can thrive in this environment, and. If you go into the desert, you know, you go people like, well, I actually would go to the desert. You are lying. <laughs> you are lying because you are being cynical. Grow up. <laughs> but it also you, comes down to like where you grew up. Cause like being born in a desert 
it might give oh. you nostalgia and there might be some type of beauty in the way the sand dunes have have you know sand definitely and, you know a bedouin and will understand the desert you know you get desert power but like a bedouin will know like as a canadian like please i'll take canadian shield for you know 20 alex but like um the a bedouin will understand how to live in the desert and will probably thrive in that situation but they're still gonna want like okay but can i have the desert by the shore or near a river <laughs> and because you know you see like a river is a beautiful thing but there's still that yeah. subjective aspect to it where like watching the flows of sand dunes or the flows of a river or like this the, the jagged rocks and peaks and valleys of mountains mountainscapes like all right. that kind of stuff is i think anyway this is just personal opinion no, you're right, though. Develop a sense of beauty around the things, the environment that they were able to grow and be nourished in. So not necessarily that there is a truthful beauty or one is more beautiful than the other. It's the reason it's subjective, I think, is because we learn beauty part and parcel to beauty. It's no. not just all intrinsic to nature. Right. But I think like that learning to appreciate I, I, a type of music like jazz, I find it really hard to listen to jazz. <laughs> I'm jazz, sure it's very good, but I just there is an element of that. But I think one of the things I bring up nature so much is that. Sorry, it's hard to talk this long like when I talk for a living. Elsewise, um, <clears throat> one of the things about nature is that all of it is beautiful. Um, strangely we find like we can find beauty in a volcano definitely volcanoes are an exception to my theory there but i'm my 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 I'm, i would posit that all nature in itself is has aspects of beauty to it because beauty is truth nature cannot be anything but what it is and when we are encountering that we are seeing a true thing as it is no matter what and so when you look out into space when you look into nature when you when you see pictures from space and it's you know contrasted by the you know gnarly arm of the space telescope or whatever and but then you see like the curve of everything and something about the geometry of this something oh, you know what nuts to all that it's it's nuministic you, you, you might conclude it's like, I'm not going to dissect it, but there's that nature is truth. Nature is the truth that we must live in. Like it isn't, you know, true to itself. It is the truth. Um, there's nothing but nature and okay yeah but there's you know other dimensions well no that's part of nature well if, well i believe in heaven and hell i guess that's also nature well what about anything beyond the universe how is that not existence like we are you can't separate things that are from things that aren't the only thing that isn't is the abstract concepts in our imagination which tend to be beautiful in themselves too but at the same time um you have human creations which end up being ugly um to a lot of the time so oh, <clears throat> sorry 
it was a bit of a uh, misstep there on my part. Um, now, I don't know why this is, but at the same time, we it's evident that when you look at something like a forest or a mountain or an ocean, there's beauty to that. But when you look at an industrial section of a city, there's very little beauty of that. There's you no know, trees. Trees are for some reason beautiful. Um, maybe because they are part of nature, they are an aspect of that natural world, which we understand and evolved in. But a corrugated steel um, shelter doesn't have much beauty into it. Now it's excelling at being what it is, but beyond that, it's just a building that services as a shelter for the machinery and the noise, the, the clanking, the, the smell of industry, which I'm not decrying, but it lets but we can, most people will agree that it's not something that they would generally prefer to look at than a river valley or say something like that. Um, in keeping with what you were saying, then that steel shelter could be considered beautiful to somebody in like, say the bronze age who, um, where metal was very rare. So a thing of beauty might be a well-refined or smelted bronze shelter or something like that because of its sturdiness and its uh its resilience to the natural whims of destruction that nature provides yeah um i'm inclined to disagree because they can find utility doesn't equal beauty um but as a saving grace it would be something beautiful to them like they made huge bronze statues and now today we don't make them because they're ugly because <laughs> bronze um, isn't a big deal when you've got like alloys left right and center and everywhere you look but well we still like a lot of people still make bronze statues like if you go to the garden um i guess the royal garden the there's a garden in winnipeg which has a lot of the bronze statues of a winnipeg artist um, I'm not saying they don't exist. What I'm saying is there was a time when that was the epitome of beauty was a bronze statue. That was the well, thing you build to make a statue because right. it's beautiful. Well, those, those, those statues were the representations of usually, um, the gods or some, uh, ideal form of something. And the represent the, 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 the thing being represented matters too. So if you, is like the only thing you're representing. And now I'm to get in, I don't know how much I want to get into that. Cause I, I want to get back to this idea of utility. I, I, utility and beauty can coincide. And when they do, you know, you get something like a, um, well, that's what math is in my opinion. Yeah. Well, math is like that, but like something like a car, you know, I, I don't find my car beautiful. I find it very useful and I, and I like the fact that it gets me around, but I don't think it's a thing of beauty, um, far from it, but I don't care. Um, now you get something like a, well, I don't know, a Ferrari or something or a Porsche, which melds that now. Yes, they are more expensive. Deal with it. And, um, they are more. They are trying to meld utility with beauty because they are separate. And um, I don't need my spade to be beautiful. Like I, I like I, I would I would almost 
want it not to be beautiful because I, you know, a thing of beauty is a joy. But the other thing about that is, is that a thing of beauty is a joy forever. Keats also, because should be able to be seen at any time by people as beautiful. And so like, you know, back then they would have thought it was beautiful, but no, if it's, it would have been something that could have that quality across um, that objective quality of beauty to anybody that uh, perceives it. So, and this is kind of why I also reject, I'm sorry, I don't think I'm answering your question very well, but I kind of want to follow this thread. Um, maybe ask it again after. <laughs> um, is that I'm, and I'm also hesitant to rely on just purely subjectivism because across cultures, when a culture has created something beautiful, other cultures have come in, looked at it and went, okay, that's beautiful. Something uh, you like Europeans go to China and they see Chinese um, architecture. They see Japanese um, aesthetic uh, achievements or um, heck, even those big Easter Island heads that are on the seashore. They're just like, that is very interesting. There's something special about this. We should leave it. Um, and But is majesty alone enough to make something beautiful? Like the depiction of the item, is that enough to make it beautiful even if it's ugly on its own? Um, how so? Like, like for if, example, um, if I'm it, depicting uh, a, hmm? sorry, go on. Oh, for, for example, then like, um, with clothes, some people think that certain clothes are really beautiful and there are a lot of fashion designers out there making a lot of clothes that look absolute garbage to me, but other people pay thousands of dollars for it, like Gucci and Prada and Ugg boots were a thing. Like everybody bought Ugg boots and they, they just look absolutely ridiculous to me. Yeah. <laughs> now, again, that's now Ugg and boots. They weren't functional I'm, I'm either, led, but I'm led to believe that Ugg boots were um, very comfy. Until uh, <laughs> your ankles give out. <laughs> yeah, until your ankles give out. But like, again, that's, that's utility. Um, and this is the same thing when you start looking at the form of the art rather than the um than the result of the art so if you're if you were trying to be like oh this is going to be the hardest symphony to play ever haha <laughs> i'm such an artist it's like no you're you're a mathematician at that point yeah. you're you are working in the jargon of your field you're not working with the end of your field and and it's the same with um you find this in every field um where they think the the means is the end um and this we're not talking about justification here but um you know the the means of doing it so you know i'm playing the piano and the 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 they mix up the result the thing you're trying to do with the piano the tool with the uh, thing you can do with the piano. So Mozart was good because he create he was a master. And so that like his, his ability was beautiful in itself. But then with that mastery, he was able to create like, look what I can do with this. And then, you know, you get Mozart. Um, and with fashion, you get people going like, well, what if I did this? Well, what if I made it differently? Everyone's 
they're intentionally trying to just create difference at times. But sometimes you get someone who really understands it and makes a really, really nice suit. <laughs> and you know it. You look at it and be like, I've never seen that before. I love it. But that's sort of what I'm trying to ask you. Like there's a non-locality to it, the subjectivity point of it. Like, mm -hmm. I, is it I, that yeah. you have to teach somebody to appreciate it in order for them to see the beauty? Because if no. there's an element of truth to it and something is true, then somebody should be able to learn that it is true and thusly learn that it's beautiful. I think, I think education only serves to enhance the, um, the experience of the beauty. So you listen to a symphony and you're just like, this is touching me. Like you listen to Beethoven for the first time, you listen to Tchaikovsky for the first time and you're just like, oh, this is hitting me hard. I've never heard anything like this. You know, it's beautiful, but then you study music for a bit and you're like, this is not only beautiful, but it is clever and you understand how the beauty comes. And now the other thing is that you can listen to these things more than once. There's enough beauty in there to listen to it over and over and over and over and over again. And as you listen to it and you educate yourself on what it is, you find more and more and more beauty in it. So that um, necessarily states that if something is true and somebody else doesn't, or something is beautiful and somebody else doesn't see it, that you can teach it into them. You can drive it home and force them to see that it's beautiful at some point eventually. Maybe given sufficient um, information. We are all different. So we're all going to be interested in different things. Some people are going to be drawn to different types of beauty. Um, but at the same time, that's um, sort of where I don't understand the truth, how truth fits in with beauty is because of the subjectivity portion. If it were, well, I think a lot truth, of people can teach it. I, don't I think a lot of people are also lying to themselves about what they like and don't like. Um, if someone doesn't like a forest, no, but like breakdancing, how many old people watch breakdancing beats or like scratching competitions with turntables and stuff? A lot of people think that it's absolutely beautiful music or dance, but mm -hmm. it's if it's outside of somebody's cultural norm or what they were raised with, it's harder for them to appreciate it and thus see the beauty in it, even if they right. can hear it and see it the same as anybody else. So I think there's... I think it's worth setting up a hierarchy here. Oh no, oh no, here I come with my hierarchy. But I think the hierarchy should lie along universality lines. There are things that are universally beauty to a um to humanity, you know, and there's things that are seem to be universally beauty across species too. Like I said, bugs seem to love flowers. So they must have some element of uh, attraction to them. But that um, comes down to other things like poetry and art, right? If you don't understand the language, it's, it's not likely you're going to hear it as beautiful or right. if you don't, um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm trying to think of another example. Like it's, it's not self-evident. I don't think that it is a truth behavior or relationship between beauty and and truth I, like i fail to see how something that's even universally perceived as beautiful how that's not just subjective to our biology like what what's the underlying truth to it if we're talking about universalities with it do you know what i mean like like mathematical einstein's field equations mean nothing if you don't understand how to do um, i think well, I don't think there is a truth. I think it is the truth that we're seeing, a part of the truth of what is. 
Yeah, so like if an equation then describes something in nature that is absolutely true, like the truest thing that we could possibly know is math, and it's mm. an abstraction, and we make find a beautiful solution to an equation, if somebody right. doesn't understand how to do the math, they won't appreciate why it's beautiful. It'll just look like symbols and, and Greek well, letters on a page, right? To me, that's not like that fact that math is beautiful. Um, to me, that's, I can't see that. I literally can't see it, so I need to... Uh, I need to get the eyes of mathematics into my head before I can see it. I literally can't see the beauty in math um, because I can't see math and people can. That doesn't mean the beauty isn't there. It just means I personally, Jordan Roy, can't see it. Um, plus, I, if I read, um, if I read a book and I find beauty in the book or if I find beauty in the poem, and I find it. That means I've seen it. That doesn't mean everyone can see it, but I can teach everyone to see it. That doesn't, the, the beauty is still there. You just kind of have to, you have to have the right faculties. Now it's the same as looking into space. We couldn't see the beauty of the universe until we, you know, took the blind off with the Hubble Space Telescope. And then all of a sudden we're seeing all this, like we didn't know. Like we thought space was just this black mat with a couple dots in there but there's gases and galaxies and nebula and it's 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 gorgeous it's like you can't it's but now it's 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 sublime there to top it off but we couldn't see it before we didn't even know the beauty was there before and now we do so yes to some extent it is uh there is some subjective element but just because i can't perceive it or I don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, I guess sort of I'm what arguing. I'm getting at is if, if there's something that all humans perceive to be beautiful and something that all wasps per perceive to be beautiful and something that all ants perceive to be beautiful, is mm. it not more subject to our nature rather than universality? Is beauty not oh, just I'm, our I'm thing actually... rather than a thing? Oh, I'm arguing both actually. Um, sorry, I'm arguing that it's both subjective and objective. There is an objective aspect to this subjective experience of beauty. Oh yeah, it's completely subjective. Are there two parts it, of the same dipole though? Like is beauty one thing and then there's subjective beauty and like a magnet where there's bipolarity or is it like they're, they're two of the same thing just described differently? Do you think? Hmm. Uh, let me, let me, let me put it this way. Cause I don't know if I want to use that metaphor particularly. There's a little fluff here. Um, so to hum, there's beauty that humans can see and there's things that are beautiful to humans and they're not going to be beautiful to, um, like say wasps or bees, although we both seem to like flowers. Um, wasps seem to like being jerks. So, you know, there's a difference there. Um, bees are just passive aggressive. <laughs> um, there's definitely things that are beautiful to dogs and cats that humans don't find beautiful. That's obvious. Smelling we, their own poo. Yeah. Well, or like um, dogs will go like, ape shit over things that we just like it's a ball dude <laughs> so but there's i'd say that the subjective aspect the thing that drives these subjective encounters with beauty in animals across the spectrum is the same thing that there's something about that thing objectively 
that triggers our subjective um, feeling of beauty. And I think that's what I'm trying to get into or trying to get across is that it's objectively informed, but subjectively encountered. So a human's going to think that one thing, but I think that across humanity, um, you know, as long as you're, uh, there are things that universe, like more beauty is more universal than not in humanity, I would say, um, within homo sapiens, <laughs> I think is what I'm trying to get across because as far as we can see, we've been trying to capture the same things in beauty all across human history. You go to, um, Egypt and India and China, and they, they've been trying to figure out beauty in their own ways. And then when we show it to, you know, we sh one culture will show their homework to another culture and the other culture oh. will be like, yeah, that's good. And then they copy it and they bring it into their culture, which is why, you know, the Middle East is just this amalgam of everything because it's this crossroads and you have these, these different, like you go to Spain and you see Muslim, uh, you see the Ali Alhambra and you go in there and it's, it's this giant castle that they built, um, six, 700 years ago and during the Reconquista. Um, and, um, the Emir, jeez, oh, the Grenada, um, they built this, uh, giant palace, which was gorgeous. It's got tiles and it's got all this, um, fillery and it's got all these like mosaics everywhere. And it's just gorgeous. It's not the gorgeous that my culture has, but I can still think it's beautiful because it, there's some sublime aspect to it that reflects the truth of the universe is what I'm, I guess I would say using the arguments I'm trying to get across in this. But when I, if I was there, I'd just be, I'd probably just look up it and go, wow, <laughs> because there's nothing else I could say. But at the same time, you go to, um, you look at, uh, the, like, um, you look at, you go to the Forbidden City, uh, or you go to the, like in, in, in China, or you go to some of the uh, architectural mass, uh, um, like masterpieces in in Japan, with their um, aesthetic focus on spiritualism, and they're they're like there's there's beauty everywhere. And I think when it comes down to it, it's the same as when I was talking about how like a pencil works or this. There's infinite variety in a non-infinite amount of form and the form is so vast the form is nature but we can create this variety of beautiful objects and art but there's only a certain there's not an infinite variety of things that we are going to find beautiful well, i think that's just to say then i i think you're putting it very well the for the record I, i'm trying to pick it apart not because I'm trying to contest your arguments, but I'm trying to evoke um, just a, a deeper or more thorough exploration of the ideas that we're discussing. Just yeah. for the record, no, everybody. And I think, I think that did force me to put it a little better. So, no, um, so what I wanted to get at then is to also ask you, like along mm -hmm. those same veins, and the reason why I'm prodding is because I think you're, you're getting to something like really crucial to the fundamental essence of what we're talking about with beauty here. Um, what I would suggest then, what I would posit to you in response to that would be our, our, our collective agreement upon things that are beautiful today is most likely premised, like you were saying about the, um, 
the desert and the forest, which one would you <clears> prefer? The, de- the desert being less beautiful than the forest. And then we started talking about, well, it depends on where you grew up or whatever. The reason why I get into that though, is because it sounds to me like there is like, uh, there is a utility or there was a utility or an evolutionary benefit to, um, to, to human beings or our species to agree on certain things as beauty, but those things can deviate to some degree. Like every, every, every culture has drums, but the shape of the drum and the sound of the drum and the common traditional rhythms are always different, right? Or like mm-hmm. singing, like you'll hear absolutely different singing in, in, uh, in India than you'll hear in Canada. Or like from the Native Americans. Yeah. But all of them you can find, like all of them. But that's sort of where I get that it's, it's learned because it's so much of it's culturally influenced how we perceive it. But like you said, you can go to another culture and still it's familiar. The beauty. It's familiar and you can still see the beauty in it. Um, or like the ornateness of, of cathedrals and temples and things like that, even up in like the Tibetan plateau where they've been isolated for, eons (laughs) eons <laughs> basically they're, they're still trying to figure out they're trying to get come to terms with the same thing that the rest of us are coming trying to come to terms with is let's make this beautiful and that's the so goal what makes that all these, like oh sorry well that's the goal that all these people are trying to do let's make okay we can we can make a disgustingly we can make a disgusting cheap like quick city or we could put some effort into it and make something beautiful because the, the the reality is that when we make something beautiful, we like living there, and this comes down to something as simple like a, as as uh, mundane as um uh, like broken windows theory, where if you you know you could live in a neighborhood just well I have shelter I have water I have food I have everything I need to survive well you're a human survival isn't really enough <laughs> and you when you could live in a neighborhood with broken windows or you could go around fixing things and cleaning things up. Now, if a neighborhood has broken windows, people are going to be less likely to live there. Things are going to get worse. Um, I don't remember whose this was, but it's, 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 it's famous enough by now. Um, where neighborhoods that have broken like shop windows just on this, like as you drive by, people aren't going to go there. And it's people are going to gravitate towards areas that are, um, you know, attractive. There's more trees. Um, it's cleaner. It's, it's um you know with houses or something that yeah, people put effort into life. yeah and but like the same thing is that if you go to a neighborhood where the people take time out of their day out of their life to beautify their little corner of it that make their house you know a cute little spot in the world they plant a tree there they trim the bushes or they they plant flowers around it and they they do it in a way that evokes the beauty of that yard you walk through there and be like, wow, this is a really nice neighborhood. I want to live here too. I want to be in a place where there's beauty. That's what we want. We want to be in a place where there is beauty. And this is where we are dropping the ball essentially is because if you have something, if you have excellence or arate, um, which is literally the root word for art, um, like it's pretty obvious, but you know, arete in Greek meaning excellence, which is art, art being excellence at doing whatever you're doing. So this is my art, this is my craft. You know, you can, there's art in baking because I want to eat your stuff. The more beautiful it is, 
you know, in flavor, not just in visual or auditory. I want to eat it more. I want to go to an art gallery, which has the most beautiful paintings. I want to go to a symphony that, that plays, uh, you know, the symphonies, um, the most beautifully with the most excellence. And actually Winnipeg symphony orchestra is really good for that. Um, shouting out there. Yeah. Good shout out. Actually that and the <laughs> wag too. Yeah. They do the a good job. Gallery. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these things that we gravitate towards and I feel like we've got this conceit in our society that, you know, you don't need beauty to survive. You don't need beauty and, you know, or you have this other conceit that like, oh, beauty is just an institution that's thrust upon us by, you know, old white men or something, or, uh, that's thrust upon us by imperialism or whatever. And it's just, well, they want it. They want to enforce their current, their specific aesthetic. It's like, if they wanted to, if they wanted to enforce, if there was a force enforcing aesthetic, why does everyone in Canada eat sushi? <laughs> sushi is beautiful when it's made right. And if you go to a cheap sushi place, it's, it's just like, this might as well be cheap anything, but like a good sushi joint, you, you get, it, it comes to you on your plate and you're like, that's nice. And you would eat it and you're just like, Oh, that's also nice. And then they you are finish kind of doing that though. Now, eh? like houses are built being built in big development sections and all the houses in those sections all look the same condos all have rules about like what you can put in your windows so that every every condo unit looks the same it's almost like they're gravitating towards that just economically without even thinking of it yeah so what i did like on abandoning my abandoning beauty i mean what i did on my balcony in in edmonton here when i when i lived in my last place because it was a drab like 1960s stick it up thing but i just turned my balcony into this lush garden with plants hanging off of it all over the place. People are like, Oh, that's really nice. And like, yeah, you can do this too. <laughs> I literally just put them in the sun and water them all day and like tend to them. It's, 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 it's literally just this Zen that I do and it creates beauty in my neighborhood, makes everything nicer. Why don't you do this? And like, you know, it's pretty soon. Like, and I wasn't saying that like, you know, a jerk, like I just said, I was like talking with the neighbors and like, Oh, they were saying, Oh, I got some flowers too. Look at that. Yeah, and they legit question. Soon. If you like it, why don't you do it? <laughs> right. What's holding you back? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was creating a small pocket of beauty. I was making beautiful what I could with my two hands. And this kind of, I guess, like I've been doing this for a while. I've had a garden on my balcony for years and years, whenever I get a balcony. Um, and when, when I was living in Winnipeg, but, um, I don't know. This is so to what purpose know. or what end are people abandoning beauty for like expediency utility and like, not like, but like they, they, they think they're doing it for utility. Cause like utility being, um, that which creates the most good, uh, in, but then they're replacing the word good with profit or, you know, time. <laughs> I accept so. that a bunch of people probably think they're doing it for that reason. But given oh. that we know that looking after plants is good for your mental health and, you know, it's good for the air, it's good for your digestion, it's cheaper to grow food than it is to buy food. Like cuts down on like having, air conditioning costs in the summer. Yeah. Knowing <laughs> like all the tangible benefits to just putting water in a pot once every three days and leaving it outside or by your but window. Like I, I don't really understand why people would abandon beauty from their life. If there are nothing but all these ex extraneous benefits from it. Right. They're just thinking in terms of, you know, base utility and it's, they don't realize that adding beauty into their lives makes you feel richer. If you have a plant in your apartment, 
that that plant for some reason makes your apartment better. If you have a tree in your yard, you for some reason you just feel richer because trees are things that you know, you know, you build tenements and you can sell these cheap tenements to people, uh, and uh, they can just oh, cheap housing, cheap housing. But like, it's not the government's job to just put up cheap housing. It's the government's job to you know plant trees around there I so the poor people don't disagree with you but we'll, we'll oh no well, hear me no no hear me out like it's it's like you can I, i'm not finished my thought there um it's not the government's job to put up or like even a company's job to just put up cheap housing like just like here's some shacks go live in them it's like you you can let the it's not really about who's putting it up it's more about the fact that here you're you're essentially saying to these people who uh, don't have anything here's a shack you piece of shit <laughs> and it's 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 demeaning because we say well, well you have everything you need you have food water shelter like what more do you want it's like like well no they're they're miserable because there's not a tree within like 300 meters of their apartment plant some trees <laughs> like make a park and to some extent we do this in our society but we're not perfect at it we we put you know green spaces and stuff but you know the ones downtown winnipeg are all kind of like look there's grass we did it victory it's like come on that's not enough you can improve the life of people um immensely by giving them beauty outside their doorstep and it's it's not that much of an expense because we think that, oh, well, we've done it. We've built 3 million, like, you know, you see those like apartment blocks in China or in like the Soviet Union or something like that. And they, they gave them a roof, but they didn't, that's all they gave them. And I'm not saying give people stuff for free, but I'm saying we should be insisting on elements of beauty in it. And this shows up even in our, um, even in our nicer homes. Now you see the nicer homes, they look like Lego they look like they're Lego blocks. And it's like, oh, but it's what's on the inside. It's like, yeah, but you have to live there. You have this, you have this, this thing that's got windows on it. It looks like it's just rectangular. There's no beauty to it. There's no flourish to it. Well, it's cheaper that way. It's like they're rich. They can afford the flourish. Like these, this isn't the nice part of town. Like you, like, I don't know. No, I'm sorry. I completely disagree with you there. Well, what do you disagree on? I don't think that housing people is less important than aesthetic of what people aren't upset because they don't have trees in front of their, their oh, front no, door. I think they're upset because they're sleeping outside. So no, no. Yeah, I know. No, I'm not trying to solve poverty here. No, no, I know. Let's not, let's not get that. I'm not, I'm not advocating but for something. What I'm saying is one I'm thing. I'm saying that people's need. lives will be improved like we, we, why are we on? I don't know. In our society, we tend to only focus on the people that don't have but like i'm talking about the entirety of society here not just the poor yeah but I don't, I don't think beauty materially affects people's ability to feed and raise their children i don't think it has that effect on people not directly no like it's not gonna like, be like but if you can't find it in a tree outside your front door there's still like the internet you can look at pictures of trees you could never do that before in all of human history just look up anywhere on the world and take a look at the grand canyon or like right. gopros you can get bird's eye views of all kinds of disgusting things, but that can be beautiful just from having a perspective you wouldn't otherwise be awarded. 
I, right, I think it's way more important to address the opportunities available to people to to um, to bring art into their lives in any shape and form. I don't right, think it's at all necessary to beautify a settlement or a residence to make people feel any richer or better in their life. Well, mind you, I I think I don't think that it's the job of the government to do the beautifying either. I think it's the job of the people living there to beautify it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that's different. I'm I'm not. I even, think we should be encouraging people to. I wasn't trying to make this a political argument, though. But what I'm saying is I think there are way more valuable and useful and and pertinent places to apply our pursuit of beauty than, strictly speaking, through through aesthetic, like, visual. I know. But, like, I think the thing is is that we can't just give people – we can't just – beauty isn't something that you can just inject once a day into somebody. It has to be something – that is there constantly uh, in your life and, or you can go to at any time, but it has to be something that's present. You can't just give someone a, you know, VR device and then, you know, for a half hour a day, they just look at pictures of a forest or space or something or, because like, if that was the case, then everyone who was on, you know, the internet looking at, you know, pictures of girls or something would be like, "Mm, I'm a connoisseur, but like, Okay, that was an extreme example. But, but I um, think some people are like that. Like, again, it's that's the subjectivity component to this whole thing, is that some right. people like me could be completely satisfied with never putting anything on their, on their walls in their apartments or on their balcony, and I just did music all the time. It was guitar, right. so it was drumming, it was yourself. poetry, it was artwork, it was... Yeah, so you're surrounding yourself in some... In, 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 <clears throat> excuse me. You're surrounding yourself in the aesthetic that you are interested in, uh, in it. But that's, what's beautiful in, in the, to me. Like that's right. what beautifies so, if my I came over to your place and set up a fountain in the front yard and, you know, uh, and like trimmed your hedges and, you know, got your garden all, you know, set up and then just left sneaky, like going, ha ha ha. And you walked out the front door. I mean, like, like, well, well, well how would you react to that? It's like, oh no, someone made my yard beautiful. What the heck is there a fountain doing there? Yeah, I honestly, like, it, it makes me uneasy because then I'm going to start worrying about like what's sitting in the fountain. Like, is it a mosquito pond? Now do I have to worry about my windows being left open? Is there going to be bees all over the place? Okay, so, but okay. New so what I'm getting at is though it's... But if I came over to your place and said, or if you hired me saying, okay, I don't know anything about physical beauty. I care about audio beauty. Well, I, I'm... I'm kind of the same way in certain aspects, but not in that way. We'll get into that. But, and you said, okay, make my yard beautiful because I know you know. And all of a sudden you have this beautiful yard. And then it makes your neighborhood slightly beautiful, more beautiful. Like I, I, I'm definitely a literary guy. I tend to find, look for beauty in words. And I don't like, I like music, but I definitely do not default to music. But I also, do like going and hiking and stuff like that. So that's generally where I find it. We all find it in different spots. But if we enhance the beauty of the things that like, I think this is kind of like a Jordan B. Peterson argument. If we all kind of put some effort into our little corner or our little interested corner of the universe that we want to make beautiful, then the more and the world itself will become, the human world itself will become more beautiful as a result, you know, all of us focusing on this aspect 
that we've almost rejected in the last hundred years. That is beauty. We need to, I think what I'm arguing is that we need to realize that beauty, though not directly, you know, it's not going to feed you, but it is vitally important aspect or property of our lives that we can't ignore. And, you know, we can't just focus on utility. Uh, yeah, I wasn't really trying to just focus on utility, but what I'm getting at sort of is coming back to the idea that we were discussing about <clears throat> there being truth to beauty. And mm -hmm. I still can't sort of get my head around the fact that somebody else's version of beauty being imposed onto my environment or my community isn't my, my beauty. Do you know what I mean? Well, so there are some things that we consider universally beautiful, like harmonic scales. Mm -hmm. Everybody, no matter what instrument you play, a harmonic scale is a harmonic scale and everybody can identify, you know, a flat F or whatever. You know, if something just sounds off when you're trying to, uh, go through tones or semitones and whatever. This is why I'm critical of art because I know exactly that feeling you're talking about when they put out like University of Manitoba is really bad for this. They have just, if you go there, there's just shapes out in the middle of nowhere. And it's just like, yeah. it's art. Look, we created beautiful. And it's Healing like, this is beautiful. It's just it's, like it's, trying to tell us that they're artists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but then you look at a painting and everyone walks by it going like, this is beautiful. And some people will be like, mm, I guess that's okay. Like we don't have to plaster that painting on the side of every building. Mm -hmm. I'm just imagining a city with that textured, the side of every building. <laughs> but, um, um, but the, and the, 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 the truth of it is, is that if I'm, I know I, I defined nature as being true. We, we living in nature. And so, the more in accord with nature you are, the more beautiful it is. So I, I, I promise I'm going to bring it back around to your point. Um, but now a gymnast, like I said, is, is something in my notes. These are my notes. Yeah. <laughs> so we find our bodies to be, uh, the human body is, can be beautiful, right? So, I'm just going to assume yes. <laughs> so we find someone who is very much, you know, closer to what we think a beautiful person is. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, a beautiful woman or a beautiful man, they have a lot of different qualities. You get, like, you can find uh, very high beauty in, in different forms of humanity, which is kind of the neat part of humanity. Um, you know, it's like there's, there's beauty in, in, in like Asian people and in Indian people and in white people and in black people, there's, you can find it, but in every one of those, um, groups in, in the larger group of humanity, there are people that don't display as much beauty as certain individuals that would, you know, like a leper, you know, they missing a hand or something or, 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 or they are, you know, like they've got pustules all over or they've you know got plague marks or something or um but the there is a and men are definitely considered beautiful in different ways than women are um so there's definitely a a universality there there's something there that 
makes us see things that tends to regard certain people as more beautiful than others. And this is definitely changed by taste. But if you, if you look at someone with, you know, leprosy and find them sexually appealing, I don't believe you. <laughs> That's just like, I, I think you're lying to me. Um, but I can understand the beauty of care, you know, in that mother Teresa style, but that isn't, that isn't sexual attraction. I'm not going to find that, you know, physically appealing. I'm not going to find that physically beautiful. Um, and when it comes to this, I, I think that's the interaction of taste and the objective reality of our, um, of our, uh, incarnation as people within the universe. Now the universe again, okay. Going back universe is nature. Nature is truth because nature is what it is objectively deal with it. Um, I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying it's because like it's governed by the reality and the truth that is mathematics and science and physics and all that stuff that we've used science, sorry, to find out these truths about our reality. And because we're human, we're going to see things in certain ways and ugly people, unfortunately are ugly <laughs> and there's no getting around that ugly art is ugly. And just because you tell me it's beautiful, won't make it beautiful. Um, the truth of it is comes in when it doesn't have to be told. Um, it's kind of like, if you have to tell me that you are powerful, then you have no power. If you have to tell me that like, if a woman has to say she's a beautiful woman, she's not, if you, it's, it's evident in what it is. It doesn't have to be argued for. Um, I don't have to tell you that a, you know, forest vista is beautiful. Now, in counter to my point is, I guess, something like photography, where I've seen photographers and they, they tend to go around with their cameras and they're kind of annoying, but they do tend to do some interesting things because they will go around and they'll look at, they'll go into like an industrial sector and wander around with their camera and play with the light and the, you know, uh, the, the color and the everything in such a certain way. And they'll take a picture of like a chain link fence or something stupid like that. And then they'll like present it in a way and it'd be like, I like looking at this and I hate it, but I love looking at this cause it's, you made this beautiful. Now it's not the chain link fence itself. That's beautiful. It's the presentation of the lines and the geometry and all that stuff that we don't need to pay attention to, you know, kind of like, explaining a joke ruins the comedy. Um, and that's so to answer your point, I think I did, but I not really. <laughs> what was okay. What was your point? I was coming to it. Subjectivity I, I was, and objectivity and people's imposing their subjective views of beauty for my own betterment oh, okay. as if it's good universally for everybody. Right. So what I'm getting to is the fact that some people's opinions of subjective beauty are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
you can be wrong about this. It's not, oh, everyone's opinion is valid. No, no, no. But didn't you just say an ugly person is an ugly person? Like, isn't that your subjective belief of their beauty? Yes, but I'm not wrong. Ugly is ugly. (laughs) I disagree with you. I think ugly (laughs) people can be beautiful. They can be, but it won't be on a, it won't be on that. Uh, it won't be on that level. Like you're not like, you can't convince me that like, I don't find elderly people sexy, but I think there's something yes. very beautiful about age and wisdom. Oh no. Because wisdom there's a natural is, progression. Wins, wisdom is beautiful on that. And I think that's the thing you have to, but I wouldn't conjecture uh, that. I know that as a fact, I would conjecture that I have an opinion on it. I right. can opine no, I think, on something with think a the feeling or a belief or a taste. The, the like, I'm not going to look at a tree as a sexual object, <laughs> I'm going to look at it as a part of nature. But you agree there where, are ugly trees out there, right? Yeah. Now, this is this comes back to that idea of arete. They are excellent at being what they are. A tree, a, like a like a beautiful tree, is a tree that's like lush and strong. But like if you get this cankerous thing or a Joshua tree, uh, like I can guess you can get a beautiful thing that is good at being a Joshua tree. But <laughs> as when you when you put it through the lens of tree then it's just like, and I'm not arguing platonics here. Um, I'm arg- I don't want to get into that because that'll just, that's just a hole that'll take us down. Well, what if there's the, does that mean there's a perfect tree? No. <laughs> there, I put that to, I put that to rest. <laughs> there's no perfect human. There's no perfect tree. There's no perfect universe. Things just are the way they are. Now, some things just have more of that. Now, there's beauty to the elderly in the fact that they have become, they have that experience in itself and that wisdom has turned them into, it's changed their excellence into something else. And we have to look at their, we have to find the beauty using a different lens. And I think that's one of the things is that we're trying to use the the same lens that we use for, you know, art and, um, you know, sexuality to gauge beauty on things that you really do need a different lens for. So like, again, you look at, you watch a hockey game and you can find beauty there if, you know, if it's, if it's well played, otherwise it's just like, oh, they can't pass the puck. <laughs> um, but if you are looking at through um, the realm of, you know, these people are at the height of their game, the movement, the speed, the grace, there's beauty there. Um, and I think that's where it comes to is that this, this idea is, I think my idea, if I wanted to define and wrap it up, uh, I don't know if I want to wrap it up. Well, before you wrap up, I'd just like to make comments on that. Yeah. So let me just, let me just say this is that this is not, not, so when I say beauty is truth, what I'm saying is the truth is the objective aspect of reality. Beauty of the thing, being the arete, is that aspect of excellence that makes us encounter it and provides that feeling of beauty, that aspect of it, that um, that nuministic uh, feeling that we have in encountering something of that nature. Now. Because it can be encountered in anything, it 
must be looked at on its own merit. And it's so, yeah, I think that's what I'm getting at. All right. And I guess just as a response to what you were going over there, um, arete to me has several different meanings. And a lot of the time in philosophy, it's, it's referred to more as, um, as a moral virtue type of thing, oh, like yes. a beauty of, of abstraction, which is obviously where my mind generally tends to gravitate, as you can tell from listening I or watching it, enough of our episodes. But uh, the reason why I wanted to point that out isn't specifically like it's not a correction or anything like that. Um, I just wanted to mention that even in the description and in the definitions proposed, obviously not saying that you know everything or that you're right, but in the definition proposed, I would suggest that there there's also flexibility within the own terms of it oh, own definitely. of itself being divine. Um, but other things like like the Hunchback of Notre Dame, since you're you're into literacy, that that basically that whole Victor Hugo epic was about beauty and misinterpretation and allocation of beauty. Um, yes. So I don't was, quite see how that coincides with the idea that there are universal beauty, um, which you've so, already described. So I, I'm just speaking yeah. in response here. I, give, I'm, give me a second. I'm not done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, let me take notes then. Yeah. Take notes. So I, I would suggest that in the artwork that we would both agree is beautiful. There is a story about how beauty is subjective and how you can find beauty through ugliness and it's more beautiful specifically because of how ugly its derivative is uh, that's just one comment the yeah. other would be um like spinoza for for instance uh spinoza spinoza's version of atheism sort of per, uh, portends toward uh, uh, like panpsychism where the universe itself is god which you kind of sort of touched on briefly from the, the beginning of the show here. Yeah. And I would suggest that an idea of that magnitude, its magnificence alone is sufficient to constitute beauty. Like even wrong ideas or fallacious aesthetics or broken materials or like a rotten old bench has beauty and character to it. That's sort of what we mean by rustic appearance or rustic look. And, and I, I liken right. that to, um, the neighborhoods that I generally like to live in are always sort of colloquially referred to as the ghettos of cities. Like New West and Vancouver is like where my heart is, New Westminster. Uh, I love White Ave in Edmonton, which you obviously didn't like as nearly White as much Ave. as I did. White Ave died. Yeah, I I, I liked no. it though. Be, like Osborne, Osborne and Winnipeg like, is like that, or Denman. Osborne, uh, White Ave has like thirty closed businesses on it right now. It, it yeah, literally but died. <laughs> it's a community though, to me. Like that's how I grew up was hanging out on street corners and sitting on curbs and eating out of a pizza box just outside. Like to me, that's family. That's it's close knit. It's community, and that to me is beautiful. I'd rather live in a divey area where I know all, all the homeless people and, you know, I toss them half a sandwich on my way home to work here and there. I'd much prefer that than a place that's perfectly clean and they shrugged everybody off so that we can't see them. So they're all hiding under okay. bridges and stuff 
Like I'd rather have broken glass in my neighborhood. If there's crime in my neighborhood, I should be trying to fix it. Okay. I want to know so, about it. So like to me, it's beautiful to have an environment that's honest and true in the sense that the crime's not hidden. So yeah. broken glass to me signifies there's something I need to fix in my own neighborhood. And it right. sort of motivates me to take action where right. everything was just cleaned up and fixed and painted over and glossed over. They just pretend it wasn't there. They pretend people aren't homeless and that there is no crime. And yeah, so those See, are sort of the th my, my thought is, is that broken glass, um, uh, how do I put this? I'm not going to worship rot at all ever. Um, and I think that you do make a good point. Um, an Apple store and Apple products have no beauty in them. They're too clean. They have no, um, they have no. Je ne sais quoi. Uh, they, they, there's no soul to it. It's just, it's like, um, I don't know. It, it feels like a, uh, way too science sterile. It feels like a hospital, you know, it's too sterile and now a hospital has to function like that because you know you you can't just be like oh look we put a flourish on it and it's just like oh great that's a bacteria that's like bacterial form constantly in that and kill everybody because this is a this is a surgery room please get that out of here um, we need to be able able to sanitize this it doesn't need to be beautiful because we need functionality over beauty in that situation but i think what we're conflating is um, weathered with broken. Now I understand. Okay, the Japanese notion of whatever, um, where you can you know find beauty in the broken thing. But uh, yes, but I'm not gonna just if there's nothing. Okay, I think part of it is that the Apple aesthetic is not what I'm um is not what I'm advocating for because I'm saying find your own beauty and it'll just probably end up being. And if it's beautiful, you'll probably end up having a lot of other people find it's beautiful. But it's like now, a shipwreck though. There's wabi-sabi. There's something beautiful yes, to it. degradation and rot and decay itself because it's emblematic of time and life. And Right. So, but the thing is, is that there's a difference between weathered and lived in and a slum. I like, I, I don't. A slum to me makes me feel the same as a, a really good painting or a movie that makes you cry. Right? Not everything has to make you happy and smile. A slum to yeah. me is people banding together trying to survive. You know what I mean? Like it, it's part of human essence. If they're, and if they're actually ingenuity. banding together to trying to survive, then that's not a slum. Um, <laughs> then that's a. Uh, Nobody that's a voluntarily moves to the slum. They live right. There they have it's like, oh, it's so beautiful. Else. No, that's why they don't go there because it's not. And. But the thing is, is that if a community it was a slum and is banding together to make it better, then that's not a slum. That's a community that's growing, that's becoming more healthy, and they will they will keep their scars. Now, this is kind of I'm that's kind of the thing is like um, a man with scars can still be considered beautiful. It's like that 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 you know weird uh, like you see in like China and Japan and Korea where they have like these idols where they're like these perfectly like seemingly photoshopped individuals and they just pose and they have no personality and like look at the beauty of these people and it's like there is no beauty there it's it's just as sterile as a, as a as an apple store because a you know there's a there's there's a beauty and i think this is what you're trying to get at there's a beauty in a woman 
who has cracked hands. Um, there's and a beauty. overweight and a unibrow and hair coming okay, out of her ears. Let's not get too far. Oh, I'm serious. <laughs> no, I'm not. my daughter, I would find her beautiful. And oh, that's well, the subjective element to it. Okay, but okay, but there's there's a balance here. Um, there's a woman like a woman with strong arms and cracked hands because she's been you know working, or a man with you know like I've got scars on my head, but like I'm not gonna. But like a man that has you know, calloused hands from work. Well, these aren't the most beautiful hands, but they are because they are, your hands are made for working. They're not, oh, I'm not going to use it because it could be broken. Now, the thing about Quasimodo, um, I read that a bit differently because the Quasimodo was intentionally this ugly thing. And he was almost irredeemable, almost, because the focus of the story was on the cathedral itself rather than the um the characters now the characters represented aspects of french life um i think as esmeralda yeah so she was an object of beauty in the story she was this um almost this rough beauty she had this uh, you know the type of she's juxtaposed she's juxtaposed juxtaposed with him basically right. so everything he's also, not <laughs> but she's also juxtaposed with um a lot of the city because she's an outsider she is not just a french beauty she's a catalan she's an exotic beauty in Mar in uh, in paris so why did i think it was in marseille anyway um she probably went through marseille to get through paris but anyway she was a catalan uh, which means you know darker spanish probably so she's got this exotic beauty about her which is not what everyone in but like the nobility the the noble guy i can't remember his name i read it so long ago he um he found her beautiful because she was like imagine that exotic beauty in your head that's esmeralda that's what she's supposed to be whatever you have in your head there um voluptuous dark yeah don't imagine the disney cartoon <laughs> Imagine what you would have in your head for an exotic beauty. That's what the, she's supposed The theme, to be. though, of the book and the story was to talk about the cathedral's gigant mm. gargantuan. No, right, but edifice. the cathedral was a thing of time. It wasn't perfect. It had weathering. It right. On through it. It was both the beauty down. of Esmeralda and it was the ugliness of Quasimodo. That right. was the whole Coming point of together. having those now, two characters. You wouldn't you wouldn't want one of those in its in alone you wouldn't want just quasimodo and you wouldn't want just esmeralda you want this thing to come together to it because like i've got i don't know uh like you you, you see you don't want a man that's too um soft but you don't want him to be just scar tissue you want someone who has been able to balance that in their life and that's that's but the same with a woman you want a woman who's like can uh you know can be that feminine but you can also you also want a woman who can be like roll up her sleeves and like get her hands dirty no but you want a woman like that that's not the same thing as it being beautiful to anybody else that's what i'm getting at okay. your subjective experience of beauty is clouding your view of beauty in other people's subjective experiences that's sort of what i'm contesting about your I'm, approach well i'm not advocating for a specific you like, said ugly people are ugly and I because they are <laughs> I, I don't think that's even possible because I think every parent think, thinks their child is not ugly I think but the thing is is that if you don't have certain aspects of beauty that's not a bad thing 
They and can just be different. It doesn't mean that you have none. You can just okay. have different views. And I think this is where we kind of finally come to the virtue. I've been wanting to get to this for a while. So yay. So I'm not saying that this you because you're ugly or because you were overweight or anything like that, that you don't have virtue. The virtue is in the creation of beauty and maybe even the celebration of it. So just because you are, you know, um, I don't know, someone may think that you are not their type or something, or because you're unattractive or you're goofy looking or um, whatever. You can perform beauty in more than one way. And that's the virtue of beauty is that you can contribute beauty to this society, to all society, to every society um, through your actions. And I think the rejection of that the rejection of beauty in itself is the sin. Um, and that's kind of what I'm rallying against is that beautiful things are beautiful and we can, we can say they are and agree that they are. And, but I think if we reject beauty in its entirety, that's where we, we, that's where the danger lies. And like, you can find beauty in anything. Yes. But that doesn't mean everything has every element of beauty in it. So I think that's what I'm getting at is like, yes, there are certain things like like I don't find I don't know I don't find this jar here particularly beautiful, but I like what I can do with the things in the jar. That's the beauty of it. And I'm look I'm like actively my I'm using I guess this act of virtue uh, is me looking at this object here on my desk and trying to find some aspect of beauty of in it. And if I find none, well, what can I do to make it? beautiful what can i do to enhance maybe some maybe oh maybe i can f give it some beauty and that's something that we can do with our I, I don't think that's an exclusive position to be in like not recognizing beauty and adding your own version of beauty to something aren't mutually exclusive something can already be beautiful you can even make mm -hmm. it less beautiful if you want yeah. And I just can. because you believe yourself <laughs> that putting a bow and a smiley face on everything makes everything look beautiful, even if it means doesn't mean that to everyone else, to mm -hmm. you, it's got meaning because subjective experience matters. Where subjective right. experience matters, there can't be any truth. There can but only be opinion. With, but with truth, opinions can be wrong, though. And like, I remember yeah, there that's was... the difference between truth and opinion. Right. And I think if you, part of it is that you have to put work into beauty because it's not something that comes easy. Um, but isn't that just your subjective interpretation of beauty yeah, but that you, you have to this or you can't that? No, because you can say that about any aspect of like, oh, my hand hurts. Well, that's just your objective opinion or subjective opinion. Like, I guess. No, because pain like is only relatable to subjective experience. That is defined by experience. That's right. Same so beauty. what I'm saying is that it's no, because you. Pain only exists when it's felt. It has to no, be felt to to be painful, right? Because of entropy, um, things tend to go towards a more stable state and, you know, things will, things fall apart. And if you want, if you create something beautiful or if you have something beautiful uh, or if you find something beautiful, then you can, um, you can 
you know, revel in its beauty. But if you want to create something beautiful, art isn't a simple process. Art is not a thing you can just do. You have to put thought and effort into it to create art, whatever you think is beautiful. It takes effort to do that. Um, you can accidentally create beauty, I suppose, but um, generally, if you want to intentionally create beauty, you have to put work in. And I think when we just do a little thing, it's not as effective as, say, uh, someone who you know spends you know five years studying architecture and puts up a building and says this is my idea of beauty. And some people will be like, yeah, it's a nice building. Um, and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of people have to put that in. Now, aside from the actual you know, construction of it, the effort it takes to make it just so in your mind is, is, is extensive. And I think we can't just go around willy-nilly because you have it takes this form of artistry it takes skill and it takes practice to create beauty and i think people just going around sticking stickers on the side of buildings willy-nilly doesn't create beauty it creates a clutter unless you've you know hold on hold on i didn't put these around just to sell drugs um i i'm doing this intentionally and you know, okay we'll give you a benefit of the doubt and after a while it's like okay this is interesting if you do something with some forethought and i think that's because that's essentially the, the philosophy behind graffiti art eh? it's to yeah. force people to look at things they wouldn't otherwise look at and it's a distorted view or an impressionist view Oops. of something that we all recognize as familiar but that type yeah. of familiarity and unfamiliarity is where but we I, often find the beauty in things like a picasso isn't beautiful because it's accurate a Picasso is beautiful because it is abstract. Right. And but it Picasso your and brain the in your eyes looking at it. But the, the thing about Picasso's was nobody saw him as a beautiful artist until after he died, long after he died. Well, because they finally figured, and this goes back to <clears throat> they like when I was talking about like me not being able to see math, they mm -hmm. were finally able to see it. It took them a while to like right. look at it and be like, eh. And but along that same time, vein, graffiti... if, some, if somebody puts up a bunch of stickers and it looks like an eyesore to everyone else in the world, how is it? How do we know as a truth that it's not us that failed to see the beauty in their actions? That's what I'm getting at. Because even if we all agree, we could all be wrong. Well, because, because we can say that about anything. Like I can just say, well, I can just determine that I find the i don't know I, I i like this paint chip here and you know i can just argue ad nauseum that you know well it's just my subjective opinion i find it beautiful you need to institute it blah 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 and i like i i don't but why is that less valid uh, i don't get that like how is that beauty true. that beautiful thing be less beautiful or more beautiful than your idea of something that's beautiful i because i think there's a there is an aspect of universality to beautiful to beauty in it and that the where was i going with this um well like take the graffiti artist for example because i've been wanting to you kind of made a point there and moved on um subjectively i don't like graffiti art but i understand that I, I like, I recognize that there's 
better that's not all graffiti artists are equal and um there's a few that i've seen that i understand that they put time effort and love into well, there's an aspect that we do need to talk about uh into the practice of their art that others didn't um now a lot of some I, I i've seen a lot of graffiti that's just done in anger or done in mere opposition with no intention to create beauty but um you get someone uh, there was that one on there's a couple on um in downtown winnipeg that are um in the uh in the exchange that are done really well and i hate that they graffiti over them because some of them are they just will take it down and then graffiti over it okay and graffiti is the noun for the art type not you know they're doing it out of spite or something and, it's a verb too yeah well i'm using it as a noun in this case <laughs> so um do you have this art that they put up and i think maybe the transitory nature of that is part of that medium but um the um, it's very buddhist too uh, <laughs> washing yeah. away the mandalas it's very much like graffiti art getting covered up by by paint. right <laughs> but yeah and it does bring me down the back lane um a bit to look at it and you know walk by it and people will take pictures in front of it because it's well done because there's something in there that expresses a truth and that's 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 it that's that's all there is to it there's something in there that expresses truth to a variety of people now i'm generally of the type that'll say you know if you have an opinion and everyone else doesn't agree with you you know, stick to your opinion and um society and the debate itself will prove one or the other side wrong or right and you know history will decide the truth of the matter but when it comes to art I th when it comes to not just art but like you can make your own art but if you are making it in such a public sphere and um you do have to take humanity into account and you can't just i'm i guess i'm i guess i'm saying is that don't just act selfishly when it comes to art uh, unless you're we're not talking about house. destruction of property we're talking about perception of beauty though no i'm not talking about destruction of property either if you put out a giant phallus on the lawn and you think it's beautiful great get it out of there <laughs> if i if you're my neighbor i might do some art of my my own to take it down unless you're um, a sixth century roman in which case everybody would love it <laughs> oh yeah now that's where I'm getting at. It's subjective and culturally significant and how people are raised. And it's so much of it is ingrained through our experience and our interpretation of the artwork that it's impossible mm -hmm. to suggest that there's truth underlying the beauty. There's right. more to say that the beauty relates to truth, but it's not now, to say that beauty is caused by truth. Now I'm not, now I'm, I'm kind of arguing that, um, that our culture, that truth itself isn't, I'm arguing pretty um, explicitly that truth is not culturally constructed. That, well, math wouldn't work, but essentially, um, but that doesn't mean that we can't explore it. That doesn't mean that like, this is beauty and this is not. No, we have no idea what kind of art is going to come out and what kind of things that we're going to find beautiful in the thing. But 
as a society, we are also allowed to reject art as, you know, being either not good enough or being, um, you know, uh, not worthy. That's what we do as a society is that that cultural construction or not that, that, that cultural influence also has a objective influence, but we, uh, as a society will almost unconsciously, um, say, oh, we like this and we don't, but that's also we, in our society, in like modern society, we let people experiment to get new things, to get, to find new beauties and to find new truth because we don't know what those objective truths of beauty are. And that's why we need to explore these individual beauties and let them do their thing. But just like free speech, they have to deal with the criticism or the adoration, you know, is that even, it's like you make something and it's like, everyone loves it. And everyone you like, I don't know why everyone loves it. This is just something I like. It's like, well, you accidentally hit on something that everyone loves. Congratulations. You're famous um, and rich, but we don't know. And we also don't know what's going to work either because we are trying to explore that. So when someone um, makes something, and everyone's like, that's terrible. It's ugly as crap. It's terrible. Oh, I, hate, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And then like 30 years later, everyone's like, like Picasso. They're like, genius, absolute genius. That or I've been looking at this for five hours and I don't know why. It just sometimes things come before their time. Some things come after their time. We are constantly exploring. And that's, I'm not, I'm not rejecting, um, I'm not rejecting other people's um, subjective experience or subjective taste. Now, taste is important because that's where the individual comes in. And that's what I mean by opinion, though, is taste. Yeah. But I don't think opinion, I don't think opinion, I don't think taste and preference are. um, Well, is red more beautiful than green? Depends on how you use them. No, it depends um, is the answer. Yeah, depends on and, who you are, where you are, in what but, context, what shade. Right, oh, but I don't think pretty reds. I don't think you can make up your own. Uh, like I think yes, you can have your own personal opinions and stuff, but I don't think that you your own tastes are going to be. Um, like yeah, you're gonna have some. Everyone's gonna have some weird things that they like, and everyone's gonna like different things, but. Um, no one's going to like uh, to like, me that just uh, seems like evidence that it is culturally created and manifests through our society as a group of individuals it's whatever we as a as an aggregate on average enjoy that's what we consider beautiful not because it's more or less true it's just we're wired to band towards certain things. So like if enough people think that Michael Jackson or Britney Spears are phenomenal musicians, regardless of whether I like them or appreciate their music at all, no matter how much you teach me about their music, I just won't appreciate it the same way as tech nine. Like (laughs) it's just personality differences. I fixate on things like taste and flavor and variety more than I fixate on perfection or, um, 
sublime excellence. I'd much right. prefer so, to taste a bunch of different meals that none of which are delicious or perfect or Red Seal Chef. I would rather have 10 varieties than 10 of the same perfect thing. Because to me, right. that variety is more beautiful than the perfect thing in itself. But that's not to say that I would conjecture outwardly that everyone should believe that because I don't think it's even possible to suggest that my opinions on aesthetic are any more or less valid than somebody else's insofar as they're all preferential and subjective. And I can only be subjective about something that's strictly preferential. And that to me suggests that there isn't any truth to it whatsoever and that it is entirely culturally designed. Right. Because so, like we wouldn't even be having this conversation of this channel if we weren't culturally Canadian. If we were raised as Chinese people not to think about our government or outside of the box for lack of a better uh trope. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything less trite, but if we were from other nations and raised in different cultures, we would not be having this YouTube conversation, you know, over 22 episodes and going strong now. Oh yeah. So my thought is, is that, um, there's also something for everybody and I'm not dictating that you like certain things. Um, I'm saying that there are things that we will inherently, um, that given our exploration or our, we will tend towards. Um, and I don't, now, if there's no truth, then I could just light people on fire and call it art and say, I find this beautiful. You but could, then, but we'd have to lock you up to, for the safety and security of everybody else. Right. Which implies that there is a truth, pain, bad. <laughs> and it could still be that, beautiful, even if it's bad. Right. Now, sex with strangers. <laughs> now, there are. I'm not willing to, because if, if we, if we just, if we reject truth, then I can do whatever I want. And I don't think that's the point because I've. I think there's I, beauty and goodness though. So you wouldn't just do whatever you want. And I think one of the things we're ignoring, and I've been wanting to get to this since I, I mentioned it in like offhand, is that the element of. <clears throat> Excuse me, please edit that out. <laughs> uh, but um, the element of um, love in all of this, um, we find now there's there's there's, there's an aspect of um, I don't know what do we call this grace. I would say maybe even a godliness, but when we interact with people, we prefer to act. It's, it's a, it's, it's better when we act with people to with an aspect of, uh, love between people, um, be this caring, um, filial notions, romantic love, um, just general love of humanity, um, that kind of thing. You can make art for yourself, but you're still expressing love of a thing or love of 
the process or love of the aspect to yourself. And if it's available to others, you know, depending on the form of art, then it will, you're expressing your love to other people who are seeing it. So now if I wanted to express my love to somebody, I could just say, Oh, I love you. But like, that's, that's almost shallow. It's like saying, I'm sorry. It doesn't mean anything. You have to, actions are louder than words. So if I make, you know, you get the, the trope of a, uh, someone, you know, singing, writing a song for a girl and he's expressing his love for her. So this is an act of, um, beauty intended to express a notion. Um, and I think that now I'm just riffing here because I haven't actually thought about this aspect of it. And I think that part of it is actually important. Um, there is that intentional aspect to it of expressing something that is in line with what you are feeling or what you are seeing or what you are experiencing. And that subjective interpretation through art of what you're feeling creates this art. And if you come close to that, the art gains an aspect of beauty and almost transcendence that you in, in expressing your love in relation to something creates something that is greater than the sum of its parts. A poem becomes a lyrical masterpiece. A lump of clay becomes, you know, um, a, a, a statue, but whether it's just a statue or an object of beauty is up to how well you express that aspect of yourself. And this could end up being the aspect of horror, um, or any romantic notions or, um, a relationship or even a feeling of anxiety. The truth, the closer you get to the truth, of the expression makes that more real to the people because they can understand it better. Well put. I think that's probably I a think, good place to leave it. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of what I was getting. I, I hope we gave you guys enough to chew on. Uh, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. Um, definitely part of this came from uh, a lot of people who are talking about beauty. I know Jordan B. Peterson's been saying, make things beautiful, see what happens, experiment with it. And this uh, Lex is Friedman of, always talks about, that's yeah, so beautiful, man. <laughs> Just a shout out because I love the guy. Yeah, he's with his, like, <laughs> he owns like 18 of the same suit. <laughs> Just the man in block closet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's cool in his own way. Um, yeah so um yeah like share and subscribe show up um we got our rss feed up you can check the description for the link to it and get the audio only versions through your favorite podcast players and any as preview always, hmm? oh, any preview of what the people can expect next time 
Um, one of the next coming up ep- episodes we're going to be doing is on uh, drugs, where we're going to try and get uh, Megan back get Megan for for discussion yeah. on that. Uh, in the next coming weeks, I'm not sure it'll be next time because I'll probably want to prepare a bit more for it. But I'd, I'd like to discuss the topic of uh, the nature of time. Mm-hmm. And you did mention entropy, and we talked a bit about decay and order and disorder and chaos and all that. So I think yeah. time would be a really interesting topic to discuss since it's close to everybody's heart but far from their tongues. Yeah, we might do one on a follow-up to last week's uh, where we talk more about the intellectual aspect of um, <clears throat> ownership and stuff like that. Uh, as well yeah, as an extended point. episode on the EULAs. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Well, thank you guys for watching. All right. Thanks for the discussion too, Joda. Yeah, no problem. Ciao.